Возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к преддверию нашей надежды. Да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа, мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которое очертила десница Твоя для поклонения Святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество, все это да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего, пропитай нас Духом Твоим святым, позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки, виде Его рукою превознесенную, великий Бог, Отец и Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться. Славить тебя, не знаю ты жив, и поэтому я 
Что ты есть человек, что ты мыслишь порой, что ты в сердце других осуждаешь. Ты не вор, не злодей, ты с хорошей душой, так всегда ты себя защищаешь. Ты живешь на земле, как трава, как листок, ветер дунет, и ты улетаешь. Если ты пророк, если в мире высок, но от смерти лекарства не знаешь. Для кого ты живешь, для чего ешь и пьешь, Перед кем свое сердце склоняешь? Планы жизни нужны, Если ты святой правды не знаешь, Обратись ко Христу, нагорает твой век, Скоро суд прогремит над землею. Вот Господь уж грядет, ты представь человек, что случится в тот день над тобою. Есть еще благодать, не застав В сердце с любовью Сердце Богу отдай Чтоб спасение принять Чтобы сжалился Он над тобою О, поверь, жизнь ведь только В Иисусе Христе Кресте, чтобы всем, кто придет от спасения, Он за душу твою заплатил на кресте, чтобы всем, кто придет от спасения.
When we come to study our inheritance in Christ Jesus by the unchanging epigraph to the study of the Word of God, Luke chapter 24, verse 44, then he said to them, 
These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And so that we as members of the body of Christ divide with Christ all that was written about him in Scripture, we will continue our study in the direction of our cooperation with the Holy Spirit in what we, we must do on our end so that we receive the right to set aside our former way of life to be clothed in a new way of life. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 23-24 We have come to the conclusion that for the fulfillment of this commandment there are three basic commands and verbs that are included. This is to set aside, to renew, and to clothe. And to confirm this commandment, we will refer to one of one more place of scripture in which the author provides an analogy for the truth that calls us to set aside our former way of life and its works so that we could be clothed in the new man who has the ability to be renewed in knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Colossians 3, 8-11 but now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. This is referring to the old way of our life. This is, this is the image of our sinful nature. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. We have noted that answering these fateful questions will affect whether we turn ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath. Or rather, will we perfect the salvation that is given to us in the format of a deposit, or will we waste it? Because of this, our names would be forever blotted out of the Book of Life, although they were once written there. In a certain form, but we have already examined the first two questions and have stopped to examine the question, what conditions must we fulfill so that through our renewed thinking we could begin the process of clothing ourselves into the powers of our new man who is created by God in Christ Jesus in the righteousness and holiness of truth? And in regards to clothing ourselves into our new man, we came to the conclusion that we need God's help in the subject of His mercy. Because God's mercy is the unique power of God that yields the essence of God and the inheritance of man out of the seed of the word of truth. The means for accepting this kind of help expressed in the inheritance of God's mercies is none other than the weapon of prayer or worship in spirit and truth. As we have noted, prayer is simply the right that man gives the heavens to interfere here on earth. And we are called to give God this right only on His established conditions. 
And this kind of right that brings the justice of God into action can be obtained by us only under the conditions established by God in which we, because of our dedication to God, are called to coincide with the inner state of God. One of these prayers was by David, and it was written in the 143rd Psalm, where David gives God the right to interfere in his life, his mercy and truth, and he will be an example for us of our inheritance. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness, answer me, and in your righteousness. Do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul, he has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me, my heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of the old, I meditate on all your works, I muse on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you, my soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies, in you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul. For I am your servant. And so to be heard by God, it was necessary for David to present God a foundation or a right that could serve for God as proof that he can interfere in David's life with his mercy and truth. And from David's perspective, this kind of proof that he could bring God in this prayer contained ten different arguments that David brought to God, saying, Lord, hear me because of your righteousness and truth. Hear me because I remember the days of the old and all your works. Hear me because I spread out my hands to you. Hear me because I trust in you. Hear me because I lift my soul up to you. Hear me for I run to you. Hear me because you are my God. Hear me for your name. Hear me for your mercy. And hear me because I am your servant. In our previous sermon, we have already examined the nature of the first argument that gave God the legal right to stand on David's behalf to help him withstand his enemies. This was uh, the fact, evidence that he, David was heard because of his righteousness and truth. And we have stopped to study the second argument that David presented, and this is a very unique argument around which we continue to surround for quite some time now. And this isn't just because. The second argument is evidence brought by David in prayer that showed that he remembered the days of the old and all the works of God in these days brought to him in prayer. An image of this kind of evidence is presented in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest, which was a standard for a constant memorial before God, containing the standard of a constant prayer. There 
are many different things that are a memorial before God. But this is a continual memorial. And the breastplate of judgment was made for, as we know, and it served only one object. This was Urim and Thummim. Why do I say one when there are two of them? Because in fact, these are two, but they are one, Urim and Thummim in the heart of a person, the presence of which allowed God to hear man and it allowed man to hear God. They are never without one another. They are always contained with one another like two important witnesses, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And so to be heard by God in the revelations of His Urim, it was necessary to maintain a remembrance of the works of God in the subject of His Thummim, which God had made in the days of the old. Answering the question, what is the purpose the breastplate of judgment called to fulfill between God and His redeemed child? The breastplate of judgment as a subject of a continual memorial before God? We came to the conclusion that a breastplate of judgment as a subject of a continual prayer before God is a sacred image of the format of a continual prayer, sacred or holy. It participated in a sacrificial offering. And so a prayer that does not meet the requirements and characteristics of a breastplate of judgment does not have the right to be called a prayer or a sacrifice because only the format of a continual prayer presented in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest gives us the right to come to God or to enter his sanctuary as kings and priests unto God without having without having the virtue of kings and priests unto God it is only possible to be kings and priests unto God when we die for our nation, our household, and our de corrupt desires. Without this, we cannot come to God to represent His righteousness according to His commandments and statutes that are yielded in the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh and contained in the twelve precious stones the breastplate of judgment and the twelve names of the sons of Israel engraved on these stones. This is how the nature of the breastplate of judgment representing the image of a continual prayer Apostle Paul had represented. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Colossians 4.2 We have noted that continuity in prayer is defined by a burning lamp that defines the state of the righteous heart of man. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. Proverbs 13.9 the order of the makeup of the breastplate of judgment contains conditions that true worshippers of God, whom God searches for himself, are supposed to have. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. John 4, 23-24 Violating the order of the breastplate of judgment, which yields the state and nature of a worshiper of God, results in the breastplate of judgment losing its nature and its purpose, and it stops being called the breastplate of judgment. Worshiping the Father in spirit and truth is to not damage the truth in the pursuit of goals that are set by God in Scripture that many had done before and many continue to do due to their ignorance, due to their ignorance or their hypocrisy or even their jealousy. We know that in the Septuagint, this is our translation, the breastplate of judgment is called a sign of justice. 
Because through Urim and Thummim that were contained in the breastplate of judgment, God could tell man his judgments. The image of the breastplate of judgment, as we know, it represents the conscience of a person that is cleansed from dead works, on the tablets of which, as well as the seal, is the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. In this manner, a conscience that is cleansed from dead works with a seal on the tablets of truth and rightness will yield the nature of true worshippers who will give God the right to act in them and through them on planet Earth. And God searches for these kind of worshippers for Himself. In a certain format, we have already looked at the measurements and material out of which the breastplate of judgment was to be made. We are called to coincide with this material and represent in our spirit. We have stopped to look at the next condition which states in Exodus 20, 17-21. And in the breastplate of judgment you shall put settings of stones in it, four rows of stones. The first row shall be a sardius, a topaz, and an emerald. This is the first row. The second, carbuncle, sapphire, and diamond. The third, jacinth, and agate, and an amethyst. The fourth row, a chrysolite, an onyx, and a jasper. There shall be set in gold settings. And the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engravings of a signet, each one with its own name. They shall be according to the twelve tribes. We have noted that the twelve golden settings on the breastplate of judgment is an image of the living truth that abides on the tablets of our heart and yields the word of God that comes from the mouth of God. And these twelve golden settings yield the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh which, as the worshippers of God, are called to represent in our continual prayer. The twelve precious stones with the engravings of the markings of the twelve names of the sons of Israel are an image of our prayer that represent the perfect judgments of God or the perfect will of God. From this we conclude that the golden settings in the subject of the truth of the word of God are engraved to fit the stones. But rather, the stones in the subject of our prayers are engraved to fit the measurements and configurations of the golden settings of truth. A continual prayer is first and foremost an unceasing prayer that finds its expression in trust in God, in which a person representing the interests of God and his intercessory does not step away from the goal until he receives what he has asked for. The makeup of the breastplate of judgment expresses itself in the ability and means that define the core of a continual prayer that is necessary to obtain the goal that is set by God in the makeup of the kingdom of heaven that is presented in the tree of life. Growing the tree of life in our heart is building ourselves into the new man created by God in righteousness and holiness of truth into a spiritual dwelling, a holy place. We have noted that all of the grandeur and order of the temple was made for one holy object and it served only one holy object. This was the golden ark of the covenant. The same way the ephod of the high priest with the breastplate of judgment was created and served only one holy object, which was called to exactly double and fulfill the functions of the golden ark. This is Urim and Thummim. 
because the Golden Ark of the Covenant and the Breastplate of Judgment figuratively represented the conscience of a person that has been cleansed from dead works. Urim and Thummim in Hebrew means light and perfection, light or right, or revelation and truth. For example, the Decalogue placed inside of the Ark of the Covenant in the image of Jesus Christ, he represents the Word of God. In the Ark of the Covenant, it was truth. And this truth was presented on the breastplate of judgment as Thummim. The revelation that a person could receive under the lid of the covenant was presented in the breastplate of judgment as Urim. A worshiper of God can only be a person who has a conscience that is cleansed from dead works or who has a wise heart on the tablets of which is sealed truth in the subject of Thummim. Because of this, the revelation of God in the subject of Urim could exist only in the boundaries of truth that are represented by Thummim in the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. As it is written, I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. Exodus 31, 6. Basically, as we have noted, this is referring to a property of wisdom that is contained in Thummim and Urim, in the fact that the carriers of Thummim and Urim are worshippers of God and have the immune system of the Holy Spirit. And of Levi, Levi, Levi is the fate of man contained in this name, and it means for us, led by the Spirit of God or tied to the Holy Spirit. And of Levi, he said, so each person who has bound himself to the Holy Spirit, he has the virtue of Levi. God said through Moses these words, let your Thummim and your Urim be with your Holy One, whom you tested at Masach, and with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah, who says of his father and mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers or know his own children, for they have observed your word and kept your covenant. For they are Levites, they are led by the Spirit of God. They keep your words, and they follow your covenant. They shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and a whole burnt sacrifice on your altar. Bless his substance, Lord, and accept the work of his hands. Strike the loins of those who rise against him and of those who hate him, that they rise not again. Deuteronomy 33, 8-11. This is what kind of prayer the Holy Spirit placed in the mouth of Moses about people who have bound themselves to the Holy Spirit, to Urim and Thummim, to the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. We have noted that the future of people who say that they belong to God's chosen nation, but they are against the carriers of Thummim and Urim and hate them because they themselves lack Thummim and Urim, their future is a lake of fire. In a certain format, we have already examined the first five properties of a worshiper of God in the five precious stones of the breastplate of judgment that show some kind of name of God and through which God continually bring His will to fulfillment on planet Earth. We have stopped to examine the sixth component of a worshiper expressed in the breastplate of judgment this is the precious diamond stone. The sixth name on the second row from the bottom that was engraved on the precious stone of the breastplate of judgment on the tablets of our heart was the name of the sixth son of Jacob, Naphtali, meaning wrestler, one who wrestles.
And Rachel's maid, Bilhah, conceived again and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, With great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. Genesis 37-8 We have noted that diamond is an adamant stone. That's, it has a unique hardness. The word adamant does not have a relation to any other stone beside diamond. It is also a gem that is cut no other way than like a diamond cut. The name of God in the precious diamond stone, according to Jewish rabbis in Hebrew, means El Hai, which translated to Russian means living God. Therefore, according to the meaning of the name Daftali on the precious diamond stone, we note that the function of the sixth principle laid as a foundation of our constant prayer in which we need to serve as a continual memorial before God is our ability to allow the Holy Spirit to be with us in prayer battle against the powers of darkness that go against us fulfilling the will of God, the name of the living God. But the Lord is a true God. He is a living God and the everlasting King. At His wrath, the earth will tremble, and the nations will not be able to endure His indignation. The name of the living God was the format of an oath, and that category of the holy nation that did not learn how to swear by the living God and swore to Him falsely, they were headed toward total annihilation. Jeremiah 12, 16-17 And it shall be, if they will learn carefully the ways of my people to swear by my name as the Lord lives, as they taught my people to swear by Baal, then they shall be established in the midst of my people. But if they do not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, says the Lord. Jeremiah 12, 16-17 And so, in order to not be eradicated and destroyed by the wrath of the living God, it is necessary to be taught the ways of of the nation of God to swear by the name of God El Hai or living God and these paths as we know are the paths of the commandments and statutes of God the condition that gives us the right to be taught the paths and statutes so that we can swear by the name of the living God is the desire of our knowledge Psalms 119.32-35 One of the many places of Scripture that speaks of the fact that only those who desire can run the course of your commandments. I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Maybe make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Living God means dwelling, great, unlimited in power, determining our being, creator of our being, containing our being, preserving our being, overlooking over our being, and the Lord of our being. Deuteronomy 10, 20-21 You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve Him, and to Him you shall hold fast, and take oaths in His name. So you see here, we can only swear by the name of God when you have the fear of the Lord, when you will serve only one God, and when you hold fast to Him. If a person begins to swear, and these conditions are not fulfilled, he will be destroyed. I saw very many people who placed their hand on the Bible for every little reason. They placed their hand on the Bible and they said, they said ridiculous things that they should not be swear by. We need to swear by the Lord lives 
before whom I stand. I will not depart from the, the words of God. And if I need to my die, I will die. But I will not step away from the path. He is your praise and he is your God who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. Deuteronomy 10, 20-21 the result of taking an oath in the name of the living God always meant the fulfillment of the promise for which we made an oath unto God. The power of a warrior of prayer that is contained in the virtue of the name of the living God are called to represent the limitless authority of God over our being and in the time and limits allotted to us. Based on this, we arrived at the need to define what purpose is God pursuing when He calls His children to become warriors of prayer, as well as how and under what conditions can God give a person the right to become a warrior of prayer so that a person could represent the interests of God in the realization of His inheritance in God? According to Scripture, being a warrior of prayer is a legitimate and privileged inheritance of saints of all time. Second, this is their original purpose expressed in their calling to trample the wickedness of the wicked in prayer battle. Third, this is one of the greatest provisions that is given by God to man, in which a person becomes a king and priest unto God and is seen by God as a diamond with the engraving of the name Naphtali. By not being a king and priest unto God, in the virtue of which a person could rule his emotional organ with his informational organ, it is impossible to be a warrior of prayer. The informational organ is our renewed mind. Only it can rule over our emotions, and it is supposed to. We are not supposed to fulfill the will of our emotions. Emotions are supposed to fulfill our will and to follow us, lead after us. And not by our emotions we should judge the level of man and his relationship with God, but by the information that comes from God. Faith is from hearing the word of God. The prayer of a warrior of prayer is a kind of sacred and valued mystery that has an unearthly origin. Therefore, it is inaccessible if it tries to be mastered through earthly ways. We have noted on numerous occasions that, that the genesis of prayer is the genesis of God. Therefore, the genesis of prayer, just as the genesis of God, has no beginning and no end. Prayer is the tongue of God, identifying the essence of God and yielding the word of God that defines the genesis of God. Therefore, prayer was also the, mis was also the mystery of God as well as dwelled in the presence of God as his golden scepter of grace, which is stretched out only on the one who sought his face and to do his will. Whoever dared to come to him on their own conditions without being called into his presence, let his golden scepter of goodwill to not stretch upon that person. And so the prayer of this kind of person was not heard by God. When the temple of Solomon existed, God not only heard the prayer, but he killed this kind of person who came on their own conditions. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does His will, He hears Him. According to these words, God becomes an initiator of prayer when a warrior of prayer in the virtue of His worshiper begins to pray according to the will of God. 
because the right to draw near and stand before God in prayer is God's prerogative. No one himself will be able to draw near or come to God who abides in excess, his excess, inaccessible light. Jeremiah 30, 21 through 22. Their nobles shall be from among them, and their governors shall come from their midst. Then I will cause him to draw near, and he shall approach me. For who is this who plunged his heart to approach me, says the Lord? You shall be my people, and I will be your God. And so according to this prophetic revelation, we know that drawing near and coming to God can only be done by one ruler who will rise from the seed of the ration of Abraham. And we know that this is the Son of God in the status of the Son of Man, in whom all who are born of God, who search for God, could draw near to God in Him and through Him. The charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. 1 Timothy 1.18 To build a system that will help us understand the tongue of God and the signs and nature of a continual prayer that yields the status of a warrior of prayer that could be founded on a certain concrete commands from God that give a person the legal right to swear by the name of the living God and according to revelations of scripture our prayer in the format of warrior of prayer in a precious diamond stone is supposed to be continual perseverant, diligent, with boldness, reverential, showing faith to God with thanksgiving, with joy, in the fear of the Lord, in the Holy Spirit, or by prayer in tongues. It is worth noting that each of the ten components of prayer that are located in one another, comfort another, strengthen one another, fill one another, and define the truth of one another. In other words, in each of the ten components there exists a balance of the other nine components. And therefore, the truth of each component is verified by the presence of the other components, which in combination creates a wonderful balance. However, each of the ten components has a certain taste, color, scent, and character that only belongs to that component. And it has its own face, its own use, and its own intended purpose. In a certain format, we have already studied the first six kind of characteristics and nature of prayer, as well as the state of a warrior of prayer that yields the atmosphere of his heart. Therefore, we will turn to study the seventh sign. This is thanksgiving in prayer. Thanksgiving in prayer is none other than an expression of or opening of a grateful heart before God. Like in previous sermons, it will be necessary for us to examine what virtues does Scripture endow the characteristics of thanksgiving with, what is its value, what is its purpose, and how do we apply it in our prayer. To better understand the element of thanksgiving in prayer, we will take four points to define the nature of thanksgiving and the price or conditions we must fulfill to release thanksgiving in our prayer. These four points are the definition or purpose of thanksgiving and prayer. So there are two 
parts here. First, we must define the essence of prayer. Then we must define what is the purpose of thanksgiving and prayer. We must also find the price for obtaining thanksgiving, keeping and cultivating thanksgiving, and the fruits and reward of having thanksgiving. In Scripture, the property or character contained in the word thanksgiving, like the previous virtues, are attributed to prayer as a commandment and an order non-compliance toward which breaks our relationship in a covenant with God and causes us to be sons of perdition. According to words from Scripture, the definition and purpose contained in the word thanksgiving, we will see further that like the other elements, thanksgiving is directly related to the quality of our faith and the quality of our obedience toward the will of God. Before we begin to study the property and nature of a grateful heart, I would like to point out a few phrases about thanksgiving that were said by certain famous philosophers in the format of aphorisms, because their outlook and understanding of thanksgiving, as sad as it may seem, is sometimes higher than the outlook of those who are supposed to represent the essence of thanksgiving. I erased the names of who said these phrases to summarize. Thanksgiving is the most sophisticated form of courtesy. Thanksgiving is a recognition and sign of the mobility of the soul. Thanksgiving is something that cannot be bought with money. Those who are ungrateful are the ones who most often rely on gratitude. Whoever is grateful does not change his convictions due to an evil resentment. For an exalted soul, thanksgiving is as much as a duty as it is a satisfaction. This is a debt which he continually pays, never wanting to part with it. Very interesting. All of these phrases of very famous philosophers completely coincide to the biblical teaching. But for some reason, they know this, but the children of God mostly do not know what thanksgiving is. And so we will examine the first question. With what virtues and criteria does Scripture endow the property in virtue, thanksgiving? And what purpose is thanksgiving intended to fulfill in our worship to God? And we know here that the antonym of thanksgiving will be ungratefulness, black ungratefulness. But providing a definition to the nature and purpose of thanksgiving and prayer, we must know that like the other properties that define a prayer and a warrior of prayer, we remember that first, thanksgiving and prayer can only flow from a pure and grateful heart. However the heart of a warrior of prayer may be, thus will be his prayer. And so, the first sign of the nature of thanksgiving and prayer is a result that defines the nature of praise and worship to God. The term praise, expressing itself in the format of thanksgiving, is the legal instrument that verifies the format of the legitimate relationship of man with God. If there is no thanksgiving in prayer, then there is not a legitimate relationship with God. Therefore, through praise that is yielded in the format of thanksgiving, the children of God are called to affirm their right to a legitimate relationship with God or build the correct relationship with God and receive their help from God. One of the meanings of the word thanksgiving or gratitude is grace. 
From this we know that in the meaning of the word thanksgiving there exists a kind of grace that is yielded in the grateful heart of a person. And there is a kind of grace that yields the grateful heart of the Heavenly Father. According to Scripture, the grace of God in the definition of His thanksgiving is directed only toward the grace of man and the definition of man's thanksgiving to God. As it is written, and of His fullness we have all received the grace for grace. In original it says, grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. John 1, 16-17. Therefore, the praise of a person in prayer expressed in the format of thanksgiving is the expression of the faith of his heart in which a person shows who God is for him and what God has done. So he thanks God that he proclaims who God is for him and what God has done for him. In Hebrew, the thanksgiving of a person yielded in praise to God contains these kinds of ingredients, such as to honor, respect, glorify, uplift, thank, to be grateful, to shine, and to illuminate light, and to present evidence for the right to praise God. But even more concise, to praise is to list the names and titles of God, to list the deeds done by God, to thank God for the deeds done by Him, to boast of God, to remain and not leave our assembly, to be faithful to our calling, to learn and fulfill the desires of God, and to trust in God. This is what it means to be grateful. According to words from Scripture, the thanksgiving of man toward God in prayer expressed in his praise is the identification of the kingdom of heaven in the heart of man. The thanksgiving of a person in prayer expressed in his praise is the atmosphere, climate, and environment in which God dwells, in which God manifests himself, and in which he becomes the refuge and shield of our trust and our salvation. Psalms 22, 1-5 my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I hear in the daytime, but you do not hear, and in the night season, and am not silent. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. So thanksgiving is praise. He lives along, among people who thank him. He lives in a grateful heart. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. In this prayer of David, we turned our attention to a few unique moments. First, the fact that a prayer cry that lasts day and night is left without an answer until thanksgiving is interweaved in the manifestation of praise. Second, a prayer cry that is dissolved in the thanksgiving of man expressed in praise is supposed to be tied with the ancestry of Israel and serve as evidence of our organized partaking to the fathers of Israel, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are living among Israel, our fathers trusted in you. Third, a prayer cry that is dissolved in the thanksgiving of man expressed in praise serves as evidence of our trust in God. 
Only this kind of sacrifice that carries thanksgiving in the format of praise can honor God and be acceptable to God. The lack of thanksgiving and praise in a prayer cry serves as evidence that a person refuses to trust in God. Because of this, this kind of prayer sacrifice dishonors God. That is why many prayers will never be heard by God, because these prayers lack the thanksgiving of man. Thanksgiving of man is intended to serve before God as evidence of faithfulness towards the words of God and hope in the strength of God. Whoever offers praise glorifies me, and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. Psalms 50:23. Our conduct, which we must look after in prayer, is defined in Scripture by the limits of our responsibility for something or someone, but first, ourselves. Watching after our conduct is the ability to judge ourselves first and foremost, and then those who are under our responsibility according to those commandments and statutes that have been established by God in Scripture. And this kind of conduct is a preamble or preparation to bringing the sacrifice of praise that is expressed in our thanksgiving, which brings our thanksgiving expressed in the praise of God into a legitimate status. Because the refusal to watch after our path is the refusal to carry the responsibility laid on us or the loss of our place in the body of Christ. In Scripture, one of the components of righteousness is thanksgiving in the fulfilling of our calling which is expressed in keeping our virtue that is defined by our place in the congregation of saints where we were established by God. Whereas one of the components of evil is a black ungratefulness that is expressed in leaving our assembly and de denying fulfilling our role in the congregation of saints. When a person leaves his place due to his ignorance, his thanksgiving expressed in a sacrifice of praise calls out his anger instead of the shield of God that is expressed in his thanksgiving. According to scripture, only the righteous who create righteousness and watch after their conduct to keep their place in the body of Christ can thank God in the offering of a sacrifice of praise. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Psalms 32, 1. In these words, the word upright, yielding the heart of a grateful heart, means legal, appropriate, worthy, suitable, acceptable, timely, and beautiful. If our thanksgiving expressed in praise to God is expressed without an organized partaking to our place in the body of Christ, it lacks a con and it lacks a concrete sphere for which we thank God, then this serves as evidence of our wickedness and our praise in the format of thanksgiving cannot be called praise from the upright or worthy to God. As it is written, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. Psalms 147.1 Praise is beautiful is beautiful thanksgiving. And on the contrary, beautiful thanksgiving is beautiful praise. Therefore, beautiful praise in the format of a beautiful thanksgiving is thanksgiving answering to the conditions of the holiness of God, thanksgiving separated from an evil, thanksgiving not partaking to disobedience, place dependent on the revelations of God, praying according to the requirements of time, crying out for the help of God, and being liked by God or pleasing God.
In other words, the praise of a person with prayer and supplication expressed in the format of thanksgiving is our work with the refuge in God that gives God the opportunity to become our shield. Philippians 4, 6 or 7 Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. The lack of genuine and legitimate thanksgiving and prayer this speaks of the lack of the kingdom of heaven the heart of a person that yields a grateful heart and relates this kind of a person into the category of the called who are transformed into the wicked. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, and unthankful. Second Timothy 3, 1-2. This is referring to the people in the church. Thanksgiving and prayer is a result of the fruit of our spirit and the properties of upbringing, nobility, and respect for God. And therefore, to be ungrateful on one hand means to accept gifts undeserved means to accept undeserved gifts as deserved and earned. And on the other hand, it means to refuse to have trust in God and in His Word. The second sign of the nature of thanksgiving and prayer is defined by worship in spirit and truth because worship that does not carry thanksgiving cannot be called worship in spirit and truth. Whenever Revelation 4, 9 through 11, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Thanksgiving that meets the requirements of spirit and truth is thanksgiving in which a person does not view the merits that he has as a result of his own accomplishment and says that due to his results he is owed the power of the Holy Spirit. You are worthy to receive what is on me because when a person is clothed in righteousness he will be clothed in God and he will show his crown to God and say Lord you are worthy these are not my own accomplishments these are your accomplishments when a person attributes his accomplishments to his own merits he begins to be in awe of himself and awaits a special reward and position from God this kind of state is the definition of ungratefulness and this kind of prayer finds favor not in the eyes of God but in the eyes of an unclean spirit that poses as an angel of light. The category of these kind of people is highlighted well in one of the parables of Christ about the kingdom of heaven in the face of two sons, one of which expresses gratitude to his father for his salvation, while the other expresses resentment that the gratitude of the father is to be shown to him and his friends and not the other son who lost all of his father's possessions. Let's read, this is very interesting, Luke 15, 25-32. Now his older son was in the field. You know that the field means evangelism. This is serving God. This is an image, a symbol. 
And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. The gratitude of the father toward the younger son. But he was angry and would not go in. A hard heart. He did not want to go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. But this was all, of course, in his own eyes. And you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Again, I will highlight the fact he has friends that are not the friends of the father. And the younger son had friends who were the friends of the, his father. The friends of the younger son. One of the sons had religious friends and the other had, had adulterers and fornicators as friends. But as soon as the son of yours came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make Mary be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is now found. This is a parable. That's why wasting all of the possessions of our father means to put it into circulation. I suspect that few have thought about the fact that this parable represents the concept of placing the silver of our salvation into circulation, which is given to us in the format of a pledge. The thing is, is that the friends of the younger and the older son are the desires of our soul, which we are called to save by losing our soul and its desires. The land to which the younger son went, taking all of the possessions of his father, which he wasted by living uncarefully, he gave all of his possessions. This is an image of the cross of Christ, in which our sinful nature was crucified with Christ and in Christ. Thanks to the work of our cross with the cross of Christ, the younger son was separated from his friends in the subject of his desires. And in this manner, the silver of his salvation, placed into circulation, returned to him with greater abundance, expressing the salvation of his soul from the second death. The father thanked him and gave him a fatted calf that he placed the silver of his salvation because he had to lose his soul with its desires. That's why, according to this parable, to be grateful is to accept our justification and salvation just as the younger son accepted it. To be ungrateful is to earn our salvation on the fields of good deeds and evangelism, awaiting gratitude from God for our religious deeds. Christ had said at some point, harlots will enter before you to the kingdom of heaven. He said this to the Pharisees. It doesn't mean that none of the Pharisees would be accepted. Apostle Paul was one of the Pharisees, but it means that they're out of the Pharisees, not few will be saved because those who see their sin who recognize their sin it will be they can be saved but those who take their religious desires 
it is difficult for them to see or understand that these aren't your your religious desires are not the friends of God those garments that you have clothed your desires in this comes from your flesh and they don't they don't pay attention to this that is why the difference between the friends of the younger and the older son was that the friends of the younger son and the subject of his corrupt desires were judged and were left by him he came to the father without his friends and the father rejoiced he gave him new clothing a renewed mind he gave him shoes and a signet on his on his on his finger had a feast he had pierced a fatted calf whereas the friends of the older son and the subject of his corrupt desire were clothes were clothed in religious deeds for which he awaited for gratitude from his father but he did not receive it because he was ungrateful he did not thank his father for the fact for what he has that he has salvation as a gift of grace and he didn't lose his soul he didn't die for his nation his household and his corrupt desires the third sign of the nature of thanksgiving and prayer is defined by the relationship of man toward the faith of God defining a legal union and our behavior toward food 1st Timothy 4 3 through 4 for the Spirit says that in the end times certain will depart from faith they will be forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth for every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving 1 Timothy chapter 4 verses 3 through 4 pay attention here that Christ each time before he ate food he did not ask God to bless this food but he thanked his father for the food this is what the apostles had done as well they had given thanks and said and broke it then according to these definitions we know that to be ungrateful is to stay stand aside from faith and instead of accepting the messenger of God who for us is the mouth of God means to accept the spirit of a seductress and a demonic teaching who will forbid to marry and command to abstain from foods which God created. They say that this is unclean and, unple and, and unhealthy for an organism of man. There is nothing that is unhealthy for the organism of man. The organism itself finds what is unhealthy. That's why all kinds of diets are very dangerous, and they call out the wrath of God. When you accept something with thanksgiving, then this is then consecrated and brings you benefits because every element of food has a certain ingredient and we were and now people have become scared us, uh, they have scared us Genesis 9 1 through 4 so God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth on every bird of the air on all that move on the earth and on all the fish of the sea they are given into your hand. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs, but you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. 
You see here, God had given this blessing. He had blessed us with this. We do not thank God. God has blessed us, and we do not thank Him. Because we do not thank Him, then food, what does it begin to do for us? It begins to bring danger to us. The same way that the earth was supposed to bless man, it began to curse man. It began to bring uh, different weeds and different plagues. Same way here, a person, when he is afraid to eat something fat, and then his organism begins to create this fat that our organism itself makes when you do not give it fat because fat for the organism is needed to take the food that you eat and to bring it into the blood without fatty food it doesn't enter into the bloodstream it makes the stomach work it goes through the colon and it is just cleansed a person doesn't receive any nutrients one system stops working correctly another system stops we run to doctors, they are, they are begin happy, they have gone through many courses, they have, they are, um, they are contract with pharmaceuticals, and when they, when they sell a certain medication, they receive something from a pharmaceutical company. That's why dietitians, it is very beneficial for them to to sell their products. I have told you one time that out of the professions, dietitians live the least. Doctors also live among the least of years because they're always working with death, with symptoms. They see these symptoms, and when they see these kind of symptoms, they are, themselves are afraid. They try to run away from something, from an, a certain illness. Very rarely I see, I have seen healthy doctors. You come to them, and they themselves, you can understand, some kind of figure is just standing just figuratively, their eyes, who knows how. Why? Because if doctors who knew God existed, then they would be different. They would understand how must how to to heal. And very many doctors who truly know God, they rely more on their intuition to diagnose than the symptoms themselves, because symptoms can lie. Try to guess what kind, there can be one symptom for many different illnesses, even taking an analysis of a current blood type, it might be for a different illness, but treated for another one. The most scary in America, 76% of diag, I have, of diag, Diagnosis is false. 76% are are incorrect. Yes, there are very many. When a lot of money is put in, there is very good doctors, but it's very difficult to get to good doctors because they serve only the rich. And to just ordinary people, they are just they are given doctors who just go to school for money. They always look into the book that you something hurts. They look at the book and they and they might see what this might be for. They might not understand. They don't have the desire to study the passion of man. These are very rare doctors. This is a gift of God to be a true, true doctor. To forbid to marry, what does it mean to forbid to marry? This is to deter 
away from the responsibilities in union. I have studied this. How will they be forbid to marry? It turns out that this is just to depart from the responsibilities in relationship and union. And these kind could be in allowing certain things. I have heard when questions were asked to get generals of charismatic congregations, they were asked questions just about the intimate relationship between man and woman. What is, what is correct? What is not correct? He says, there does not exist any rules. However you want to live, you may live. So can you imagine this, this stupidity? Even doctors say that this is dangerous, but he says, this general says, please, no rules are needed here. They, they twist the intimate responsibilities or, or by calling intimate relationships as interfering with the relationship of God. This would it mean to be forbid to marry. One pastor of a Pentecostal church, when I came here, he said to me, you know, when I be with my wife and I f feel like I am dirty, like I need to clean, I know that this is as dirty. And I, I said to him, tell this to your wife. And he said, she, she won't come let me near her. And I said, so does, do you become dirty from her? Does she become dirty from you? And I said, that, no, this, this just isn't necessary. I said, he says, I just have this feeling. I said, you have incorrect feelings. God has created, God had created sex. He created an intimate relationship. They are supposed to be pure. And when you feel dirty, this means that you have somehow heard some kind of thought that forbids marriage, demonic teaching. Many different preacher, preachers take upon themselves the role of a gynecologist and they begin to say here and there, sexopathologists begin teaching, let's be children of God and let's not twist the word of God. That's why they say, husband, you are supposed to be the pastor of the family. This is what almost everyone says. Who is he the pastor in the, in the family? To be the head is not to be a pastor. A pastor can only be in a church. A husband cannot be a pastor. In one neighbor church here, charismatic church, the pastor says before a marriage union, if you see that you are spiritually higher than your husband, then, then slow down. Give your husband the ability for him to be spiritually above you. Can you imagine the stupidity in this, the foolishness? He's an idiot. He does not want to grow. But I will walk forward. Why must I look at my husband? I have the word of God in Christ Jesus. There is no male nor female. That's why we must not place a woman lower. But oftentimes she is socially placed lower. That's what it means to not forbid to forbid marriage is to not allow the correct relationship of a union because God the fourth sign in the nature of thanksgiving prayer is defined by relationship of man to the prerogative of the fruits of the Holy Spirit in relation to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
So to refer to the fruit of our spirit as first and to place it our prior to, to place the relationship with God to on first in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, second, Matthew 25, 24 through 30. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and you gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. So this lazy servant is that older son that we were talking about. He did not place a silver into circulation. So when a person is garmented in religious acts, he does not lose his soul. He buries this talent. That's why in Proverbs he is, he will, he will say, God, why have He says, why have you not saved me? I have never taken drugs. I have never had alcohol. Why have you not saved me? And he says, you wicked and lazy servant you knew that I reap where I have not sown and you gather where I have not scattered seeds so you ought to have deposited my money with the bangers now my coming I would have received back my own with interest so take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents for to everyone who has more will be given he will have abundance but from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away according to this proverb to be ungrateful is to be wicked and to be unfaithful and to be lazy and to not want to invest our time money and energy into a good soil do not be deceived Apostle Paul writes in Galatians 6, 7, 3 God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. When we do this to gain something for the flesh, when we use our energy, when we use different places of Scripture, proclamations, then it says we will, we will reap corruption. But when we sow into the Spirit, we will reap eternal life. The fifth sign of the nature of thanksgiving and prayer is defined by the ability of man not having anything to have it all and to be grateful and rejoice for the little that he has. 1 Timothy 6, 8. 2 Corinthians 6, 8 through 10 and 1 Timothy 6, 8. Two places of scripture I will read. By honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. And so, the sign of gratefulness to God will be expressed in gratefulness for all that, that God has allowed us to have. Second, the sign of thanksgiving to God will be defined that we, being poor, will be able to make many rich. 
And third, the sign of thanksgiving to God will be defined by the fact by not having anything, having nothing, we possess all things. And the fourth, we will be like Abraham, we will accept material blessing as foreign because we will search for the city the foundation of which is God. Hebrews 11, 9-10 By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So pay attention here. Material blessing he accepted as foreign. He searched for spiritual things. Always paying attention to, to it. Apostle Paul says, we have nothing yet possess all things. How? How is this possible to not have anything but to possess all things? The thing is, is that God's land and all that fills it, if you are the Lord's, he says, all that is mine is yours. It belongs to you. We do not it is it is ours yes I might not have it but on my account it is there I do not have a house but on my account there are millions and I can build cities and not just a, a little house you might say I have a house what do you have you are living in a tent I said I have millions I can build a city all of this is mine why don't you build, they ask me, because I want all of this to place into circulation and send it into heaven to transform into a different exchange. I am searching for the city whose builder maker is God. I am searching for the body of Christ. On earth, I am searching kind of congregation of saints that will be a body of Christ where it would be preached about justification and about the kingdom of heaven, how to take it, how to make it so that it expands in us and how to be clothed in it. The sixth sign in the nature of thanksgiving of prayer is defined by the lack of filthiness, foolish talking, and coarse jesting. Filthiness, foolish talking, and coarse jesting are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks is fitting. Ephesians 5.4 Based on this, we note that filthiness, foolish talking, and coarse jesting cannot be related to thanksgiving. Thanksgiving in Hebrew means faithful, good, or able for every work, loving labor, and ruling over money. Thanksgiving is praise, sacrifice of thanksgiving, proclaiming the faith of God. When I proclaim the faith of my heart, I thank God in this manner. Therefore, thanksgiving is accepting the authority of God in the face of the messenger of God and every good person who does good deeds. Whereas an ungrateful person is a person who is evil, who is lazy, who is unfaithful, who is unfit for every work, who is a slave of Mammon. He is a liar and a thief. And instead of thanking God for who God is for him and what God has done, an ungrateful person thanks God that he is not like other people. 
The Pharisee stood and prayed thus to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. Luke 18:11. You might say, yes, in the literal sense, no one prays like this, but people think this way. For God sees the heart and the thoughts. When we look at these people who come, and people say, why do you have the same people who come out to the altar to repent? And when they say, they basically, by saying this, they say, we are not like them. They say, I don't need to repent every, every, every time. I don't need to. But Christ said in this parable, you see, he said to the disciples, this, he went home justified more than this Pharisee. Yes, the Pharisee had said, I don't do what all of them do. But they were ungrateful. He was ungrateful. This is un unclean gratitude. Instead of thanking God for the gift that he has, he begins to attribute to himself, Lord, look at me, I am not like them. And considering the fact that our time has come to an end, we will pray right now. We have several minutes left. And we have a few other signs, but we will also look at the purpose and we will leave it for our next service to continue going over the definition of thanksgiving and prayer. Right now we will bow our knees for whoever it is possible and our heads and we will thank God, we will thank Him that we were able to be here in service today, that we came here, that we have that little that God has given us. We will thank Him for what we have, not for what we want to have, but for what we have, the little that we have. He can make this little, as we say, we, He can make it so abundant that it will not end. Amen. May we pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bow my head, my heart, along with your holy nation, in the place of worship that you have predefined for us to learn here, to learn to worship and to hear you, to call upon your name, to run to you as our refuge, so that you could serve as our refuge. Today, you again and again have reminded us what thanksgiving is, that you give your thanksgiving, your gratitude, only to those people who are grateful to you for that whom you are for them and what you have done. Oftentimes, people don't pay attention to who you are for them and what you have done for them. They are always missing something. They always resent you that, that they are fasting. They are asking you for you to give them more than what they have. They are not ready to thank you for the little. They resent this. They reject this. They stand against you. They do not trust in you. And you continue to await for them that perhaps one of them will leave their friends, their desires, their opinions, and turn to you and come not from not based on not what they, how they see fit. This is so important today in your body. For many saints are in a somber state 
because they have taken upon themselves the right and the responsibility to judge what is good and what is evil, what is correct and what is incorrect. They do not agree with the judgments of your messengers. These are people who are ungrateful, who do not notice this, and their hearts are always filled. They don't have peace. But may your mercy be blessed for your sons of peace who have grateful hearts because thanksgiving can come only from a grateful heart. Allow us to know the power of thanksgiving, its strength, the answer of which you give your gratefulness and we will praise you, we will thank you. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the hand of of the devil. For yours is the kingdom and power and glory forever. Amen. And now we will conclude our service with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.